us having fun. Whoa, what's that beam of light? Hey, young Andrew Lens. It's me, Andrew Lens from the future, telling you that your dream is going to come true. What? No way! Yeah, you're going to have an awesome podcast called Let's Talk But No Politics, okay? And new episodes come out every Sunday on... PSAP Radio Network! The following podcast is a production of The Network. Check us out on BICBP-radio.com. radiocom I am one of your hosts, Chris Chavez, joined as always by the second host of the show or the first host. There's no numbers here. Mr. Sean Fritz. What's up, dude? Corona free. I can tell. Sean Fritz, Corona free, but I had a scare last week when I thought I had pink eye. Turns out I just sprayed myself in the face with kitchen cleaner. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that still sucks, dude, but at least that's better than having the, the pink eye. Oh, it was awful. I had to wear my glasses for two days straight, and I can't stand wearing my glasses. I was like, I just want contacts to be in my eyes, Ugh. and it, I couldn't. And you were saying you stare at a computer screen almost all day, so that doesn't help either. No, I stare at it. I have to write documents, and it, it was like, I, ugh, I'm not writing that stuff out by hand and then typing it out later. <laughs> oh, that's that's when you want uh you, you need to have an assistant. Somebody you can just dictate. Hey, take this down. Snap snap. Yeah, I do. It's called Google text Google predictive text. Oh, there you go. There you, or voice do you have voice to text, right? Yeah, that thing. Yeah, predictive text is when you type it out. Well, it's something, man. It's something. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, so what else, dude? Like what's, it's, it's been a couple of weeks since we, uh, got together, you know, our schedules kind of fell off and on here. Uh, what's been going on with you? What's, what's up? What's new? Uh, well, my shrubs in my backyard are becoming very shapely. They're starting to look quite nice. And same with my yard. I did the manliest thing I think I've done all spring, summer so far is I pulled every weed in my front yard by hand. No chemicals needed. <laughs> oh, so you're the you're that dude? Because I have a guy in my neighborhood that is on his hands and knees for like four outer hours out of the, the day on a Saturday, and just little by little pulling each weed one by one out from the front yard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I don't want to. I mean, my backyard's next, but I don't want to. I don't need the Hank Hill or the, you know, everybody on the uh, Mayfield Lane block. Uh, you know, super lush green yard, but I also don't want to look out and see weeds nonstop. True. Yeah. Yeah, dude. I don't know. I couldn't even say that's what I'm doing because uh, Aaron does a lot of the the mowing when I'm at work. I'll come home and be like, because like, I like mowing. I really do. I like to have something to do. I listen to podcasts a lot of times when I'm mowing. And mm-hmm. for me, uh, mowing the lawn is kind of uh, um, 
meditative. You know what I mean? It's kind of being in the moment. So I, I do look forward to it actually. And so uh, I'll come home and she'll have already mowed the lawn and I'm like, Oh, come on. I wanted to mow the lawn. You know what I mean? So I don't even get to do that. Yeah. I, I do enjoy mowing the lawn, but honestly, ever since I pulled all those weeds, I haven't mowed the grass in three weeks, not because I didn't have time or didn't want to, because the weeds didn't grow. So therefore nothing else really looked out of place. Oh, nice. So you just have a nice, even lawn of, of lush grass. Luscious, lush ish, if you will. <laughs> but yeah, Lush-ish. I do find, yeah, I do find it a little med- meditative. You know, I can just kind of be in my own zone and just kind of focus on what I'm doing. Uh, it, it was funny. Uh, I, I will share this with you. Um, so I've been in my house about three and a half years. And one of the first things you have to get is stuff to maintain your yard. So I went and I bought a lawnmower. I was telling my buddy about it. I was like, yeah, I feel like a man, you know, buy a house in December. And then, you know, in the beginning of February, middle of February, I went and I bought myself a, a manly lawnmower. He's like, oh, what'd you get? I was like, the manliest one you can get. It's battery powered. And of course, he just started laughing and pointing at me. <laughs> and and cut to one week later, I'm over at his house and we we have his lawnmower up on sawhorses trying to figure out what's wrong with the engine. I'm like, hey man, mine's battery operated. I just plug it in, charge the battery, and then put the battery back, or I plug the battery in, charge it, pop it in the mower, and then it moves. I don't know with all this motor engine BS you got going on here. Yeah, not bad, because it's not fun having to run out and grab gas all the time. My Every pressure washer is gas powered, but that's, you know, it's just so much easier when you don't have to deal with engines and moving parts and stuff that I don't really know how to fix <laughs> i get you dude uh yeah me dude i wish i could say i was as productive aside from you know my soul-sucking job uh the newest thing with me is probably i got oh i got hbo max you got that yeah because my parents do oh well there you go nice is it, isn't uh, that the new dc universe thing pretty much basically dude like when i realized all that stuff was going over there i canceled a lot of stuff that i wasn't watching i think we had discussed this already disney plus i canceled i canceled you know uh the but dc you universe still haven't watched the, the full mandalorian have you no no and i'm not i mean there's nothing that's pulling me to which is weird right like if, there, if if i felt that draw to like no no no, i know i'm gonna sit down and watch them i wouldn't have canceled it but because i know i'm not using it i'm just paying month after month for nothing so um I ended up getting the HBO Max because I wanted to do The Sopranos straight through. I watched oh. the first couple of seasons when it was live, uh, the first three seasons, and then never finished watching it. So now I'm going to finish that. Uh, I'm actually going to watch it straight through um, and should enjoy it. It should be fun. But because I got that, dude, it just opens up a whole world of all these other shows to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh Started watching so Johnny Townsend, uh, co-host of History Creeps Retro Blist on the network. Never he heard reached, of him. Uh, he reached out to me and was just like, "Hey, have you seen this documentary series called McMillions?" I was like, "No." He's like, "You got to check it out." So I actually watched the first two episodes this morning, and he's not kidding, dude. It's one of these kinds of it's a it's a true crime story about in the uh, it's you the know, monopoly thing, right? The, yeah, the monopoly thing, dude, with the the mob and everything all tied into it, and the way this series tells the story and they break it up and you know into, into episodes, it's man, it intrigues you, pulls you in, and then every episode ends with this kind of like bomb that they drop on you, and you're like, what? <laughs> so you got to see the next episode. It's really good. So if you're so, and here we are now with TV chat on a movie podcast. Uh, if you exactly. haven't watched it yet, uh, I will highly, 
highly suggest that you watch it because it is even more topical than when it came out just by pure accident is the, I think it's nine or 10 episodes is Watchmen. Re- oh yeah. Yeah. I've heard, I've heard a lot of good things about that. Um, it is amazing, dude. Like I made E. Well, I didn't make her, I, I made her watch the movie, the, the long version. And just for, <laughs> for the setup, I made her watch the blue penis edition. Uh, that's amazing. That's what they should call the long, the long one. Um, oh, that's what she said. Yes. Zinger. So, I mean, uh, uh, we watched that just so she knew who the characters were. Cause I've seen the movie and the TV show. I watched it when it came out and, and I, I made her watch the movie. I, I basically have been indoctrinating her into this side of life. You know, the fun one, <laughs> the comic one. And I said, all right, we should watch this so that you have backstory. Cause you know, you find out the whole Miss Jupiter backstory and you know, yeah. You know, or Silk Spectre two and you know one and you know all that stuff, and the Rorschach thing and whatever. And the way they tell this is always like, you're not getting the full picture until the second to last episode. You're like what? What? And if you've read the the novel, the graphic novel, you're like, what does this tale of the Dark Freighter have anything to do with the story of 1985? Mm-hmm. They tell an Adrian Veidt story that is just like that dark freighter story you're like where what how, where is he what does this have to do with anything until like the last episode and you're like what wow like you're looking uh, at everything and you're like everything comes together in this one moment and you're like oh damn oh how did dude, i, I see love that? shows like that i love oh, shows so like good that. yeah so good yeah i'll definitely um, check it out and that's on hbo max yeah uh yeah well, it was on hbo so I, yeah it's on hbo yeah, max probably. as well uh, also, yeah, definitely if you, check it out. If you want a history creeps esque show, uh, you know how every alien movie is about. What if the aliens came and how would we fight them off? Yeah. Or or how would we coexist? Well, what if there was? What if it was? Uh, what if it was a year after the aliens had taken over and that we were under their thumb? But you never saw the aliens. You only saw the way that they were oppressively ruling. Oh, that sounds cool. What show is that? So there's a show that was on USA for three seasons. It was uh, half seasons, so 10, 13, and 13 episodes for three for three seasons. Mm-hmm. It's called Colony. It's with... Um, oh, I, that's familiar. That sounds familiar. It's with Josh Holloway. He was in Lost and 18 other shows on CBS. CBS. Uh, and Sarah Wayne Cayley's, who was the nurse in Prison Break, and the wife of Rick on Walking Dead. And... Um, couple other people some you've never heard of some you have um, but it's just a really good ensemble cast about the the separation of classes and how you know just it, it's very interesting like the resistance it's very star warsian in that regard as well like there's a resistance there's the people that do it because they have to and whatever else so i think you would you would dig it it's a proceed it's a weekly show sweet I'll yeah put that on the list too it's on Netflix. So as you said, this is a movie podcast. Uh, not a, Well, that was our little television. You know, we are. We're going to discuss things that are TV as well, other entertainment once in a while. So uh, it's just about catching up. But uh, yeah. let's get into what we're talking about. This week, we decided that uh, it, was the, it was my pick, and I picked a movie that, for me, 
I knew goes beyond rose-colored glasses. I know this because I've, I still watch this film, and I know I love it, so I already know how I'm, I'm going to rate and discuss this film. But I was very interested to hear your thoughts, and uh, I'm always interested to hear other people's thoughts on films that I just think are awesome. So uh, this week, we decided to go with the American comedy film, 1989's The Burbs. All Tom Hanks wanted was a quiet vacation at home. This is what I need, Carol. I, I need this. Welcome to Mayfield Place. A typical street in the Burbs. Morning, Walter! Where nothing much ever happened. Walter's dog just took a dump on Rumsfield's lawn again. Until the Clopex moved in. Clopex? Clopex. Clopex. No one goes in, no one comes out. Neighbors from hell. It was a nice place to live. He said he thinks the Clopex are evil incarnate. Well, you're much too smart to fall for that, aren't you, honey? But now... Carol! You wouldn't want to visit there. Ray, this is Walter. No! The Burbs. I'm going over the fence, and I'm not coming back till I find a dead body. Ah! Ray, do you want him to take your family, kidnap them, tear their livers out, and make some kind of satanic pate? Ah! We got a real problem. I hit the gas line, I'd run! God, I love this street. Tom Hanks. I think we are overreacting. No. The Burbs. It's one hell of a neighborhood. Hey, honey. I think we should move. Had you ever seen it before this? No, not at all. So this was your first experience with The Burbs. Well, no, that's not true. You said your first experience was listening to... A podcast me and Anthony and Brandon tried to do at one point where uh, mm-hmm. one of them watches half of the film, the other one watches the other half, and then they try to fill in the blanks on the side they didn't see. Yeah. So when you heard that, like from when you were listening to that, did that pique your interest or were you like, yeah, I'll probably never think of this movie ever again? And then fast forward, here we are. Well, I had saved it on Amazon Prime uh, on the wish list because it was freebie on there for the longest time and then it wasn't when we opted to do this, which makes perfect sense. Uh, <laughs> right. It was only, it's so it was annoying. It's only on stars and stars is the most pain in the ass streaming service to get. <laughs> That's why you just got to get that. What is it? The, the free trial through prime so you can oh, watch yeah. it on prime and then just cancel it out right away. Yeah. Let's say I did that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah dude so this movie i rem- i still distinctively remember when i was younger uh, i was growing up probably the age of what t- uh, 12 between 10 and 14 um on the weekends my mother she was a nurse and she would work overnights so she would sleep in the afternoon into the evening get up you know later in the evening to go to work so in the afternoon my dad took care of us and he'd make lunch and and stuff for us and i remember a lot of times he'd make lunch and then he'd put a movie on we just have a lunch and watch a movie and i still remember the day he put this on it was a rainy day out so he's like you guys are gonna like this put this movie on and i just like I don't know what it was about this film, but it just, I was so drawn in. Um, so I've always, always loved this movie. I watch it all the time. Uh, it comes up on my list of favorite movies all the time. Um, you know, it's just, I was just like, I got, I want to, first of all, I want to, I want to watch it again. You know, not that I need a reason, but I wanted to talk about it. I wanted to see what you thought, uh, when you first watched it. So, um, Getting into this, did you have any expectations, ba- or based on what you heard from that pot, that weird podcast we were doing, or or 
I didn't really remember a whole lot of it, except I, for some reason, thought that there was an alien element to it. And maybe that was just because of knowing who you are. But I, I, I was waiting for that part of it, but that I, I never I think I came. know where that came from. That was from Anthony's description, because he thought there was a spaceship uh, being built. Maybe that's what it was. Yeah, dude. <laughs> so I think part of the podcast like seeped into your brain. Yeah, I, I certainly didn't go back and listen to it because, man, I can only take that man talking for like 30 seconds at a time. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Um, so, yeah, the Burbs. The Burbs is, uh, is, is it's one of my, again, like I said, one of my favorites. And for me, you know, when uh, a lot of times there's people who have told me they saw it and they were genuinely just like pleasantly surprised at, at how much they liked it. Then there have been people who've seen it when I showed it to them for the first time. And they're like, yeah, I don't know why you like this so much. It's all right. You know what I mean? Uh, so let's get into it. Let's get into the story, the plot. Um, the idea behind the burbs is that we're introduced to this character, Ray Peterson, who's taking a vacation. He gets to stay home. He wants to stay home for the week, no matter how much his wife wants to go away to the cabin or the cottage, whatever it is. Uh, he just kind of wants to hang out, right, and and just do a lazy week off of work. Um, he wants to hang out and watch the neighbors through the front window. He wants to, you know, listen to the ball game, have some beers. Except it doesn't really go that way because there's these new people that are next door that recently have been causing a ruckus in the evenings. There's, you know, at the opening of this film shows him letting his dog out to go to the bathroom and there's this crazy weird sound coming from their basement with flashing lights and all of this stuff. Uh, so basically what happens is this movie, uh, he and some of the other neighbors um, get into hijinks, man. They think that there's some nefarious shit going down in the house and they're going to figure out why. And the entire movie is them trying to figure out what's going on because uh, they think that something something is uh, evil, uh, something is afoot over there. Well, and part of it, too, is to one neighbor to convince the others that and, and it's this constant push pull of yes, no, you know, convincing the wives. The wives are not buying it at all. Yeah. What and, did you think of the story, dude? Like, so when you watched it and now and you got the whole story, what was your thoughts? I mean, it was definitely a silly movie. I mean, Tom Hanks definitely plays. He, he's so versatile even 30 years ago, you know, and it's, you know, and, and I mean, it's. It's so silly and at times over the top, but in most cases, relatively believable that, you know, certain things can happen. And, and, you know, the perspective is always from, you know, Tom Hanks, Bruce Dern and uh, Rick Ducommon's characters, you know, Ray, Mark and Art. And so is it that you're seeing their perception or is it that your and their perception is a little bit inflated or is it that you're seeing it as an onlooker, as another neighbor? And, you know, either way, it, it is a little silly and ridiculous. And, you know, but generally speaking, for the most part, pretty believable. Yeah, I feel like it plugs into something that a lot of people can relate to the suburbs, right? Living in a neighborhood, uh, everybody has, the, you know, everybody does the thing where they, they they know what's going on in their neighborhood based on what they see through their front window. 
like I know it for for me personally, there's a lot of time. Well, my wife really, she loves to to kind of come up with narratives like, oh, this is so and so, and they're going here for the weekend. Oh, it's going, the best. Do you know what I mean? And and mm -hmm. you have nicknames for certain people in the neighborhoods. You know, the brown dog guy, or you know, the the cane the cane lady. Well, or in Home Alone, remember the when they make up? Yes, uh, somebody makes up like this lady. Or, or there was an uh, some the old dude with the shovel. It? Yeah, well, there's that, but then somebody I forget what it was. There was another movie, and, and maybe we watched it. Maybe it was somebody else that I watched it with, where it was like this lady, prostitute, <laughs> this person right here. Oh, it was uh, Shaun of the Dead. Remember yes. at the people yes. at the bar? Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. Yes, exactly. And that's what you so, do. You just kind of do that. And so that's what I feel like. This plugs into that and it, oh, yeah. it, and everything else. The whole idea of if you're a homeowner, you know what it's like to worry about your lawn and having the dog from across the street always crap on your lawn. Or First having of all, the old, that's a bad pet owner. <laughs> right? That, or exactly, having that kind of pet owner, that crotchety old man. Or the old man down on the on the road that, you know, it gives everybody kind of a headache here and there. And there's always those people, the the one family or the the one person in, in the neighborhood or, or on your street that they're the weird ones. There's something going on there. Something's afoot. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think it really does kind of plug into that. And so and I feel like maybe that's why I love it so much, because when you see this, you know, it opens with all of this creepy music, um, you know, when he tries to step over there and, and it's all kind of creepy. And then there's like this 180 the next morning with the the music's even different. You know, it's sunny. The kid's riding his bike and delivering papers and you're following this little dog running around. Like it was there's something about this kind of it feels like I've been here. I, I know this neighborhood. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's almost every neighborhood. And, you know, I mean, speaking from experience, you know, in my in my uh, in my development here, I'm actually on the board and it just knowing some of the business that happens because I am on the board and some of the, you know, there are certain rules that you have to follow and, and whatever, not, not just local laws, but you know, local homeowner laws, if you will. It, it's just kind of funny to see this from that perspective as well. And, you know, and being able to, to relate to it very easily. Yeah. Easily. Um, that's yeah, but that's the plot. That's basically the story behind this. Um, and it is, it's, it's kind of cool. I, I, I like what you were saying. It's, it's silly, but there's a lot of stuff that's believable to it. I mean, obviously, you know, when art gets fried from the power lines, that's not really that believable, <laughs> you know, and maybe at that it, time it was, I mean, <laughs> you know, when people were trying to steal electricity or cable from the pole, you know, that kind of stuff, when this was a thing was a little bit more believable than the, you know, required digital set top boxes now and, and everything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I always wonder, too, like, was it acceptable to have just a bunch of, like, rowdy teenagers having a pizza party on the front lawn in a neighborhood? You know what I mean? R blasting music. Um, yeah, they stayed on their front yard. Yeah. I was like, hey, as long as they weren't they weren't making trouble, right? I guess it wasn't a big deal. Um, but, yeah, this was, for me, I always, I, I have, there's, again, it feels like I'm home every time I watch this. I, it's like I know that neighborhood. I know the neighbors. And maybe it's because I've seen it a billion times. It's, I basically live on that street. Um, did you see who who directed this film? Joe Dante. Yeah, he did Joe versus a volcano too, didn't he? Um, another Tom Hanks vehicle. Did he? I don't know about that. I know he did. Uh, he's the a lot of no, he did. Um, he had a segment in the Twilight Zone, the movie. But he's I know Joe Dante from the Gremlins. He did Gremlins. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Gremlins two, the new batch. Um, what else? Oh, Small Soldiers. He did Inner Space. 
You ever Ooh, see here you go, Chris. What's that? He did five episodes of the TV show from when we were kids, Erie, Indiana. Oh, see, he already knows that. Feel. And then again, Erie, Indiana's got that same Burbs feel. Do you remember that show? Like the kids mm-hmm. riding the bikes in the neighborhood and all the people in the neighborhood are weird or have those weird stories. Yep. I remember it very well. Perfect, perfect. But yeah, uh, he directed this film. But, you know, it wasn't just his directing, man. It was the, a lot of the actors in this film were big names or went on to be big names. Uh, and they really helped pull this together. So let's talk about actors and acting. Right off the top, Tom Hanks. Yeah, I mean, what can you say? What can't you say about Tom Hanks that hasn't already been said? Back then, he's coming off of TV shows like Bosom Buddies, movies like Big. Um, you know, so he's he's got he's got a little bit of cred to him, but he's not superstar power Tom Hanks that he is today. Yeah, he's not Forrest Gump or no. Cast Away or every World War II movie. Yeah, Saving Private Ryan, yeah. Uh, but he plays Ray Peterson. I think he plays this character very believably. This guy is the everyman that just wants a break from work, doesn't even want the trouble of having to to put in the planning and the packing and the traveling to go somewhere on vacation. He's happy just to be lazy and just sit around the house. He wants a staycation. That's all he wants. Exactly. Before the term was known, he already he was he knew what he wanted, dude. Yeah. Uh, um. Bruce Dern plays Lieutenant Rumsfeld across the street uh, <laughs> to a T. Like, he's so great, dude, the way he plays this character, man. But, I mean, he plays it like like he's, uh, I mean, he's serious, but he's not taking himself too seriously. He's not taking this too seriously. To, <laughs> right. You know, he, he's like uh, if Gary Busey was a, a sane war vet. And he kind of almost looks like him in this movie a little bit, you know? Right? He got, like, it's almost like he's playing Gary Busey. He's like, what would Gary Busey do in this moment? <laughs> he's got like just like one shade off, of, not like color shade, but like his his camo attire, everything, his from his puffy vest to his, you know, with no shirt underneath, by yeah. the way, to, to with his... Short, with uh, shorts and combat boots. Yeah, I mean, just like that, like perfectly, um, you know, perfect costume design there for him. And it wasn't quite camo and it wasn't quite green for the most part. But right. when they go over to see the uh, the Klopfelds or the Klop, uh, the Klopex, <laughs> he's wearing like his dress jacket with a pair of just green pants. Oh, no, God. no, uh, no medals or anything, just his dress jacket. He plays that character so good, dude. It's oh just, it's goodness. too, too funny, man. Um, He's so uh, good at it. Uh, Rick Ducommon plays Art, the the neighbor Art. Uh, Tom Hanks is Ray, Ray's best friend uh, and basically kind of like an antagonizer. Oh, big time. I mean, he is, he's the foil to, uh, to Ray's relaxing vacation. <laughs> yeah. I love how when, when uh, what's her name's getting ready to leave for the, you know, the, the few days because she decides she's going to get away. He comes over dressed all ready to golf, like in legit mm-hmm. old timey golf <laughs> apparel. He's like Look Payne Stewart. Got my new golf clubs. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't know how to swing it. Uh, so good. Um, he's, he struck me as like a, I mean, he's Canadian. I mean, he's, he's now dead, but he strikes me as a, um, because he's Canadian. He talks a little bit like John Candy. Yes. And a little bit like Dan Aykroyd, too. So I'm like, was Dan Aykroyd the original choice here? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know he passed away. 2015. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, yeah. complications to diabetes. That sucks. Uh, he was great, dude. I love him in this character. I love this kind of doofus style guy, but he's lovable, right? But he also comes off as as a as a kind of a douche sometimes. Oh yeah, big time. I mean, he's like, hey, I got this crazy, crazy idea that this or that, and they're like, no. And then they see one, like when they're over there, he finds the the toupee again. And he's like, well, but yes. <laughs> um, Carol Peterson, the wife of Ray Peterson, played by the late, great Carrie Fisher. I didn't know this was her at first. Really? It, I mean, it didn't look, I mean, it, it, you know, as the movie goes on, you can tell a little bit more, but it's, you know, a big departure, obviously, from, from Star Wars. Yeah. But it's, you know, it, I didn't know that it was her at, at the, initially. I mean, as the movie went on. Um, you know, I watched this with E and she's like, who is that? I'm like, hang on a second. That's, <laughs> that's weird. That's Carrie Fisher. Yeah. And she, and by now she's already a megastar, right? Like she's a name in this film. She's already done star Wars empire strikes back, uh, blues brothers. Um, what else was she in? She was in when Harry met Sally postcards from the edge. So by the time she's doing the burbs, she's already put a name. Like she, she, to me is probably the biggest name on the, in this film in that moment, right next to Tom Hanks. I, yeah, I would say, I mean, she was on SNL for, uh, was she a, was she a, a host or was she an actual cast member? Um, I know she, she was a host. I don't know if she was a cast member. I'm not okay. sure to be honest. Yeah. Oh, you know what? It, yeah. It just says cast member here. Yeah. Honestly, I've not seen many of these movies that she's done, which is probably why I didn't recognize her at first. I've seen, you know, obviously the big ones. So yeah, Carrie Fisher's in here and she plays, I mean, she's, she's not a big, big, big part of this film. Uh, she's there to kind of help control her husband before he goes off the deep end because his friends are kind of like instigating this whole crazy narrative of, of these weirdo neighbors you know what i mean she's trying to be the straight the straight head, level-headed one i think it's her she's she's like look we're gonna be the ones to go over with cookies and introduce ourselves like you guys are all morons you know we'll, we'll find out more in one afternoon than you guys will all week yeah she was she was the you know like you said she gave thought to what was going to happen she played the straight man so to speak and with a level head of you know but she was also the supportive wife yeah um Dude, Corey Feldman. <laughs> I don't even know why he's in this movie. Ricky Butler. He's in there because he was Corey Feldman, right? They were just kind of like, let's have him in here. I don't know. Um, I think he played Corey Feldman in this in this movie. Yeah, basically. he was. You know what he was? He was the viewer. He was the person watching the yeah. film. He was kind of like their guide into this neighborhood because uh, there's times when he has his girlfriend over and he's explaining who's who in the neighborhood and, and you know their role basically in the hierarchy of the neighborhood. By the way, that scene, I don't know what was louder, his jacket or the shirt. <laughs> He's got this dude tie-dyed shirt, which is loud to begin with. It's like every bright color under the sun. But then he's got this, every square inch is like studded like you would get a bracelet from Hot Topic or yeah. a glove. He had like the loaded You'll get this reference. He his jacket was like the loaded handbag or the loaded like fist glove of like mid south eighties wrestling. Yes, exactly. Like that was his jacket. He had the demolition jacket. That's what it was. There you go, uh, dude. It was nineteen eighty nine. It's nineteen eighty nine. Come on, dude. It's Corey Feldman in nineteen eighty nine. Corey Feldman in all his although Michael I don't Angelo know what's worse. Glory. 
What's worse, Corey Feldman then or Corey Feldman now? <laughs> oh, now, dude. I would totally take Corey Feldman then. Like I said, he's yeah. like that whole Michelangelo Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle thing going like, where's Donatello. the pizza dude? Oh, wasn't Donatello. he Mike? He wasn't Michelangelo? He was Donatello. Ah, good. I did not know that. Who does Michelangelo? Not Corey Feldman. Oh, that's hurtful. That hurts. I always thought it was him. He sounds like a Michelangelo. Um, Let's see. What other big names were in? I mean, not two big names, but like uh, the doctor, right? Henry Gibson. He's, yeah, a, he's, he's the guy he's that you know dude. from everything. Right. He's, he's one the, of those. But he plays the straight man so well. But everything he does is almost like an old, like an old timey slapstick type thing. Yeah, he's he, he's great, dude. I love him. Yeah, he's uh, well, also old, but also dead. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, uh, Courtney Gaines is in this film. He plays Hans, the the young the young man that's part of the Weird Neighbors. And I always re- so the, I remember when I saw him in this film. There was another film in the 80s that I saw that when I saw him, I was like, oh, it's the guy from The Burbs. So he's not really a creepy, crazy, like, creature guy. Like, he, he's a normal guy, right? He still looks kind of weird, but at least he's not that. He looks about as Amish and inbred as you get Basically, in this dude. movie. Uh, but I remember him from the film. Do you ever see Can't Buy Me Love? I haven't. Oh, dude, we're going to have to have, a like, a month-long theme of 80, uh, cheesy 80s movies, dude. Well, he's in all of them. Basically. Children of the Corn. Basically. Oh, that's right. Uh, he is in Children of the Corn. He's um, he, What's his name? Malachi. Oh, yes. That was his first movie. Was it? That's cool. Yeah. He was in uh, Back to the Future. I don't remember him in Back to the Future. Oh, no, I do remember him. He's in the 50s, one of the high school kids. Played Dixon, whoever that was. Yeah, I think um, he's one of, one of the high school toughs. Uh, he was also in Rat Boy. Never saw it. Uh, can't buy me love, uh, as you said. Um, he was in. There was another one. Uh, he was on Seinfeld for an episode. Nice. Oh, he's in Colors, also 1988 American Police Procedural. That's a good movie. You ever see that? No. Oh, about L.A. Not. L.A. Police in uh, South Central L.A. in the 80s. Sounds intense. Messy. It is. It's definitely. Uh, but this film is again. Again, you know, it's all about these main characters kind of, you know, trying to figure out what's going on with the weirdos next door. Um, anything else you want to talk about in terms of the actors or the acting? Cause for me, I just felt like all, for all of these characters, it felt like character acting. So everybody fit the roles. You know what I mean? They played them well to me. I don't think there was anyone that I was just like, ah, I wasn't a fan of the way they portrayed this. I mean, maybe Corey Feldman, but just because like you said, why was he even there? Uh, but yeah. other than that, you know what I mean? I, I do have to call out specifically the, uh, to I guess to circle back to the story real quick, the garbage men that were just they were they were each other's foil like <laughs> just when they were going through the trash, just oh, the stupidest yeah. things. Dick Miller, got a right to know who's yeah. going to clean this up. Dick Miller and Robert Picardo. Yeah, I don't know these guys from anything else, but just so goofy the way these two were just in a scene. But you know, they had a lot of classic guys in this movie, like uh, like you said, Henry Gibson. Mm-hmm. Who, who reminds me of uh, Bob Newhart a little bit in mm-hmm. just more of a, um, like an 80s dirty foreigner, Vince McMahon, bad guy type <laughs> type thing. Yeah, yeah, but, exactly. Uh, but Theodore Gottlieb, who played, uh, well, they, I think he was brother, brother Theodore is how he was yeah. 
build in the movie, the way he just kept staring at Tom Hanks in that one scene when they went over there. With that underbite, dude, with that massive (laughs) underbite. It's so creepy. It's like This was his last movie. Was it really? Yeah, this was his last movie. Wow. He didn't do a whole lot from 1946 to 1989. He was in 21 movies. Wow. That's interesting. one One of them was the Billy Crystal Comedy Hour. I did not know Billy Crystal had a comedy hour. It was a TV show. Interesting. Um, let's see what else. Let's move on to soundtrack and sound, dude. Sound score, music, soundtrack. This was more original score, though there were some songs in this film. Uh, mostly, it was original score. Uh, every time they that that um, Bruce Dern had a thought or was about to do something stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, I you, you you heard the very the very beginning chords of uh, fanfare for the common man, uh, you know the burn 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 yep. you know, from Patton. Yeah, and uh, I was like, okay, well that, that makes sense because it's military, but it, it just made me laugh when they started playing that. Like there was just so much weird, stupid, goofy shit, and the soundtrack definitely made it. Like it was in the background, mm-hmm. it wasn't noticeable like it was in um, Blade Runner. Yeah, it made true. the movie that much better. This was more of a background type thing. Yeah, um, I feel like it lent it it lent more to the 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 mood of the film. Like it was, it wants to present itself as creepy in parts, or you know what I mean. So I feel like it, it um it what it was doing more was lending to a mood. Uh, like I said yes. at the beginning, when you had all that you know the creepy sounds, and then all of a sudden it switches, and then there's like these flutes playing, and this kid's riding his bike, and it's all like you know jingling and up upbeat and sunny sounding you know what i mean yeah it definitely gave you it painted that picture with another depth to it that you know not only the soundtrack but you know with the the audio of you know everything's dead here let's play this morbid pseudo demonic music when we're looking at Mm -hmm. this property but then when we're looking at ray's property or the street or people riding bikes or that stupid ass kid delivering newspapers (laughs) Um, you know, it was just birds chirping and, you know, everything else that was upbeat and lively and full of life. Yeah. Um, in terms of, oh, so whenever they had, uh, Feldman on though, it was like rock music. And the, so this was, I, I saw this on Wikipedia cause I didn't know. I was like, I don't think I recognized any song on there, but this was, there was only a handful of non-original music used in the film. Three of the six tracks are by a band called Jet Boy. So I'm assuming this was like somebody that they knew or, you know, I don't know. It it says uh, Jet Boy is an American San Francisco based hard rock band founded in 83. Um, And they were signed to Elektra. So I guess they were somebody. I had never heard of them. But, you know, that was the only time you really heard anything that wasn't score, really, was when Mm -hmm. it was him playing that rock music. And I think there was some other music somewhere else now, and I can't think of it. Maybe on TV or something. Yeah, I think they were just pulling from... From uh, archives of sorts. Yeah, but overall, dude, it's it's a it's a score, and it's a score that I enjoy. Like when I hear the background music, it's and I always think of myself like, would I ever want to own something like that to put on in the background? And for the Burbs, I definitely would because it's one of the one it's one of those kinds of scores that when you hear it, it brings you into the movie. It, like it'll bring back the memory of the movie. You'll be right where you were in that feeling of you know uh, creeping over the fence to 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 check out the the creepy neighbors. Yeah, I did enjoy that too because I know a lot of people that do that in my neighborhood too. (laughs) 
now you're gonna have to get this and play it like, blast it out your windows uh yeah Jer- jerry goldsmith did the the um soundtrack and also did alien ah as as we talked about before i and, see i see uh, he also did the rambo franchise oh and Planet of the Apes. That's pretty good to know. So this dude is also doing the Burbs, right? Because when you think of the Burbs, it's not that you don't think you don't hold it in high esteem in terms of soundtrack and score. Like it's not up there, right? It's it, oh well, okay. So hang on. He also did Patton, so that that makes there, more sense. There you now. go. There you yep. go. It's not stealing if you steal from yourself. Yeah, right? it's his own work. He's like, hey, I know we use it in another movie, but it fits this one. Mm-hmm. And you know, and you know, Rumsfeld. Guy. Rumsfeld, yeah, I was gonna say Rumsfeld probably knows that movie back and forth. Patton, he he would. That's that's his. Uh, <laughs> that's what he wakes up to every morning. Patton standing there behind the big Amer- or well, George C. Scott standing there behind the big uh, American flag. Yep. Oh, that's amazing. Um, anything else you want to say on the soundtrack or score? No, I mean it's. I think we said pretty much most of it. But all right, damn, I'm looking at Jerry. I'm looking at Jerry Goldsmith's <laughs> work now. He has worked every year, every decade from 1950, including starting in 1954. Wow. He's prolific, yeah, wow. dude. He's prolific when you see that resume. That's, that's, that's no joke. Um, all right. Let's move on to special effects. He's also dead. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder he stopped working in 2004. That's going to be our thing every time we talk about somebody. <laughs> and they're dead. Um, all right. Yeah. Let's check out special effects. doesn't have too many special effects in this film but one of the things i love i absolutely love is the opening sequence titled the title sequence uh-huh that was pretty cool the way it morphs right from the the mca universal yep. globe and right into uh right into the um yeah the 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 intro yeah the earth it's a, where it it's drills a, down yeah it's a sweet little drill down from space down into you know, Earth right into North America and into a small, you know, where the state is and the town. And you see the the, the street. Uh, I love I've always loved that. I've always been so fascinated with that. I remember being young thinking, how did they do that? And then realizing, oh, there's computers involved here. Do you know what I mean? Um, it, it's the Google Earth view. If you don't know what the hell Chris just said, it basically is, though, right before there was Google uh, Earth. It looks like what this Google is, Earth looks like. This is the impetus, the inspiration for Google Earth. You know, wouldn't, wouldn't that be wild if it was? That's what I was gonna say. That'd be amazing if we found out the people uh, doing it were like, "Yeah, we used to watch the Burbs, and we're so fascinated with this." <laughs> like, what? Um, yeah. It's it's. Like, it, hey, me too. <laughs> I did too. <laughs> hey, we can do that. Uh, no, but yeah, I absolutely. That's one of my pieces that I love the most. Um, and I think for me, it's it's more practical. It's the makeup, the design is when when art does get electrocuted. When he's got the <laughs> smoke coming off him and his fingernails are all black and he's messing the, the fingers and don't the forget, gloves. Don't forget Ray at the end where he's all oh, with yeah. that practical makeup. Yeah, that looks cool too, dude. That looks brutal too. It looks like it hurts. It looks legit. Yeah, it looks legit. And um, Oh, and the explosion in the, the house. Uh, the house explosion. Walter's hairpiece. No. <laughs> the hairpiece definitely <laughs> works. The toupee. Uh, the house explosion looked realistic. You know, that was a good, that was a good one. Uh... Let's the see. lightning into the lightning rod of the house. Yeah. I mean, that looked like it was borrowed from Ghostbusters, but still pretty 
decent and solid. Yeah, not bad. Again, not a heavy, heavy, you know, special effects kind of a movie, but the, the effects and the, and the makeup and the things they did for me fit perfectly and seamlessly. It doesn't. It doesn't like you know if somebody's banged up and the makeup doesn't look good, it looks like you know the Toxic Avenger. Whereas uh, if it's done well, it looks believable. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like like seeing Ray with that swollen eye shut didn't look overboard. It looked legit. Well, and and uh, I think the this movie definitely played to its strengths and not not using CG because it didn't have to. It just took place on a cul-de-sac, right? You know, and most of it was. I mean, if you want to consider the the uh, the scenery and such, you know, the the effect it was filmed out exteriors on a lot. Yeah, you know, to, made to look like a cul-de-sac, and those houses can come and go, mm-hmm. uh, which is I thought when I was reading about this, I thought that was kind of neat, but. You know the 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 aftermarket effects or the after filming effects. I think were were far and few between because they didn't have to be. Everything was practical where it needed to be, and you can't make lightning per se. So it's one of the few things you have to add. Although the fire, when they turned that thing up to five thousand, no. the fire that came spitting <laughs> <Shooting> out. out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, pro tip: if a furnace goes up to, I don't know, maybe over a thousand degrees. Don't turn it on unless you shut the grate. That's too funny, dude. Too funny. Um, so yeah, I mean, overall, I think that that's all you can really say on special effects because there's not much to it. But it would, like you said, what what's there, what's practical, it fits and it, it lends to again the believability. When we were saying this earlier about plot, you're like, you know. Obviously, it's silly, but it's still believable, and I feel like that's that's why a lot of the effects didn't go overboard. Um, I mean, even the dog shit looked real. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, they they obviously cut because they put down a Snickers bar or something. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that's the special effects. Uh, for you, dude, what stood out in terms of like memorable scenes or quotes? Oh, there were quite a few um, when we were watching it yesterday. Um, just, you know, Tom Hanks, uh, it, it took me a little bit to get past Tom Hanks being Tom Hanks or, you know, because it's, I mean, it's Tom Hanks. He wasn't being Tom Hanks. It, it was Tom Hanks playing somebody else. And I was just waiting for him to get wrapped up in the story. And then I did, I was like, Tom Hanks is so good. <laughs> and, and then I'm back out of it again. I'm like, damn it. That's not what I was going for. Um, but you know, art being art. You know, the whole toupee thing, especially where, where Ray pulls the toupee out of his pants. Yeah. Right after uh right after Rumsfeld says, Will you take your balls out of your wife's purse? So he just reaches in. <laughs> He's like, Hey, I was just being a figure of speech. Yeah. Um I, I was I spent probably the first fifteen minutes trying to figure out the uh the Rumsfeld and his wife thing. Uh <laughs> as well as the his wife and Corey Feldman thing. Uh which there was nothing there, so but Rumsfeld just being on the roof, yeah, uh, with a gun and uh, you know the the binoculars on a tripod, that was so um, good, dude. Setting up a, a command post and then being startled by by Corey Feldman saying, "Hey, Mister Rumsfeld," he's, but he comes out with that that um, that scope with the infrared thing on the top. I'm yeah. like, that's not how infrared scopes work. That's amazing, dude. It's so funny, dude. Oh man. Uh, I love one of my favorite scenes of all time and my favorite lines is when um, they're sneaking across the Rumsfeld's lawn in the, at, at night to spy on the neighbors 
and then all of a sudden it's starting to rain and the guys drive drives down the garbage to the the can yeah. beats the crannies <laughs> and my my one of my favorite lines dude tom hanks goes i've never seen that before i've never seen anybody drive their garbage to the curb and beat the hell out of it with a stick i've never seen that before <laughs> one of my favorites. just the way he says it too yeah he just it's and then it starts so to rain right away oh it's so good dude and and that's and it's like perfect rain delay so that scene specifically when so Art comes and gets him and they're playing Jeopardy against each other. Yes. Which yes. I thought was hilarious. Like, who does that? I guess that was a thing. Now you can play it against Alexa. She always wins. Really? I, I did not yeah. know that. Yeah, you can just say the hot word and say, let's play. I think you have to do it during Jeopardy. But I, I could be wrong. Interesting. But um, there might be a Wheel of Fortune portion of it too. I, I don't know. Do You do the research, dear listener. <laughs> I don't have any Alexas. I have five Google Home Minis at home. Google sent me three for free. Nice. Yeah. Uh, I also have the new Google Bud- Pixel Buds, too. They're pretty nice. Sweet. Back to the show. Um, the When, when they're, they're playing Jeopardy against each other on their mini legal pads, and Art knocks on the window to come get him, <laughs> and then he ducks down, <laughs> pretending like he's not even there, and... Then they just start conversing through the window. He goes out. He's like, I'll be back before Final Jeopardy. They go out. That's when the whole, uh, the scope, the infrared scope thing. But he's out there for how long? And they say it's 11 o'clock. How long were they out there? And what sh- what syndicated right. station plays Jeopardy before, like, right right before 11. They had to record it. It had to be VHS tape. Like, they recorded it, you know, to watch later together. Had to be. Yeah, that could be true. Had to be. But but he said he'll be back before Final Jeopardy. Right. Which I thought that meant it was going to be, you know. It continues. Like, it's not like it's taped. Oh, hey, look at this. Music, soundtrack on Wikipedia. The orchestral soundtrack was composed by Jared Goldsmith and includes references to his patent tune for <laughs> Rumsfeld character. <laughs> That's a callback. <laughs> Who's an idiot? That's amazing. Um, lastly, let's see. The, uh, one of my other favorite parts is, is is around that Jeopardy part, but right before it, when he goes to let the dog out, and uh, Corey Feldman's over there with Art, and they're talking, and he calls him over, and they start talking about the the ice cream guy that used to live in the neighborhood <laughs> yeah. back in the day, and how he killed the kid, or he killed his family, and all that, and then he has that crazy dream. You know what I mean? He's watching the horror movies and yeah, stuff. With the chainsaw, <laughs> dude. I don't know, man. I I just I do. I love this film. I feel like there's so many parts in this film that are, are just so kind of fun and good. Um, when they go to knock on the door for the first time, and the bees come out, and they get all attacked by a swarm of bees. Oh my goodness! Or how about and the, the the door sign, or the the address falls from six six nine to six six six. Or how about when uh, when he got, he the dog brings over the femur and they're like, "This is so and so's leg," and then and then they do that zoom in and out with this while they're screaming. <laughs> it's so good. And I said that's so nineties, man. So late eighties, early nineties. So good. Um, so I think what we're gonna do now, dude, is we're gonna get into the rating because uh, we're finishing it up here. And for our rating today, we're gonna base this. Uh, out of best out of five toupees. So uh, I think we already kind of know how I feel about this film. I'm really interested to hear your overall final thoughts and your ratings. So why don't you go first? All right. So, uh, you know, as I said, this is my first time watching this movie. Uh, This has a great cast with a lot of great names at the time. And, you know, after this movie, you know, Tom Hanks would go on to do, let's say everything. Yeah. Carrie Fisher would, continue to cement her 
you know, not just be the daughter of Debbie Reynolds, but to be the Carrie Fisher, uh, Bruce. And, and here's a fun little twist. Bruce Dern, not only being Bruce Dern, but being, uh, what's her name? Uh, Bruce Dern's dad, uh, Bruce Dern's daughter's dad, um, Laura Dern, that's her name, who was in episode eight with Carrie Fisher. Oh, uh, that's she's, right. She's the one that wears that big old neck thing and uh, does the jump, spe- uh, jump yeah. into hyperspeed, yeah. hyperspace. Um, and, you know, Corey Feldman, I mean, just Google Corey Feldman. You'll have a heyday. You <laughs> might come back three days later. But but the use of cl- what I would consider these classical actors, these classical straight men, like um, the recently passed, um, what's his name? Gene Wilder's best friend. A Carl Reiner. Oh. Carl Reiner, yes. Um, I mean, I would consider him one of those classical straight men. Hilarious, but played the straight man flawlessly. Pretty much wrote the book on. He is the William Regal of straight men. Yeah, yes. Uh, meaning William Regal, if you want to be a professional wrestler, just go watch any of his matches. Yes. Um, uh, and that will be echoed by the host of the Two Point Conversation and Hardly Kayfabe, Matt Johnson. Boom, boom. Um, but, you know... Uh, Henry Gibson, he is, if you don't know his name, but you know who he is. Yeah. The second you see him, he's the shorter, smaller statured guy. Uh, he's from right near my hometown in Pennsylvania, and uh, but plays in some movies a German, and some, uh, he's from a city called Germantown. It's not German people, it's just a name. Yeah, I think some of the younger uh, folk who know uh, Wedding Crashers, he was the priest, the family priest in Wedding yes. Crashers. Yeah. He has these small parts in a lot of these later movies, but he is flawless in his execution mm-hmm. um theodore gottlieb i know nothing of him uh except what i saw in imdb just a very minimal uh, uh career in terms of on screen uh and courtney Gaines. those three are great together in that they they just bring different things and they gel so well together as the let's call them the villains of the movie uh we all know that art is really the villain mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, even him, you know, I had knew nothing about, about, uh, Rick, uh, Rick to common, but you know, he's great too, in a John Candy light, uh, wannabe Dan Aykroyd type guy uh, that took me a little bit to get over that, that comparison, but you know, just the star power in on paper makes this movie great. The story, the way it's directed, the way it's shot, the, we talked about the effects, the minimal use of special effects mostly practical effects and to be honest we would know what was or what wasn't uh if they used heavy effects we would know that it would be it would look like hot garbage yeah i think um, so you know and and jerry uh what's his face uh jerry uh, goldsmith i mean ties it all together just like a room just like a rug um not seeing this before and thinking that i was going to give this a very low like a 4 even earlier uh, and then talking about it with you, um, I think I'm going to bump it up a little bit. Um, I think I'm going 4.25, uh, and it's not a little, any higher than that, I think, because like the first 40 minutes, I think we're a little slower than maybe the last 40 minutes. It's a, it's an hour 40 in total, so that middle 20 minutes was it kind of started to 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 slowly go up, and then you saw people do things and change things mm-hmm. and. And I think when they when they had finally gone over to the house and we see those characters, I wasn't disappointed. It wasn't like, you know, seeing the, the Jaws fin or, you know, seeing the main villain like in the last five minutes of the movie. You know, it was 
it, it, it left a little bit to be desired. And then you see the furnace and the basement and you're like, oh, damn. And, you, you know, just some of the simple, like, deadpan lines that are said, it just makes the movie, you know what, I'm actually going to bump it up a little bit more. I'm going to go for... <laughs> 4.35, I think. I can't take it a little any higher than that, but I think that's where I'm going to stick with it. It is a very good movie. I really did enjoy it. I don't think I can watch it as often as you claim you do, but I, I do believe that it is a movie that I could watch uh, with regular repeat viewing and, and still enjoy it. Maybe not find new stuff, but you know, still enjoy it in uh, overall tone, quality, filming, uh, acting, and, and, and the like. Very nice, dude. Uh, I'm glad. I'm glad you ended up enjoying it. Obviously, I love it, right? And I think I love it again because of, on top of it, you know, be, as good as it is, it is a fun film. You know, it's great acting, like you said. The sound, everything you said, echoed, right? Uh, I think that's a big piece of it. But then again, it's tied into my childhood or my youth. Uh, so again, it's 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 kind of um, I could I could watch it over and over. There's very few films that I could watch over and over without getting tired of it. Uh, and this is one of them. Um, yeah, I, 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 there's nothing else I can really say. Everything you said is is pretty spot on on how I feel about the film, except I rate it higher again because I do love it so much. Uh, it's not going to be a five, not not a five for me, even though it's super close to. I would say it's 4.75 toupees uh, on my rating because um, I don't know. There are little things in there that we could do without or tweak and, and make it an even better film. But overall, I feel like this is one of those films that's just it's perfect. You know, it's got a great story. It's a good it's a simple plot. You know, nothing too intense or convoluted and hard to follow. Uh, there's a it's 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 perfectly told, you know, beginning, middle, end. It it all ties up in the end, uh, and it even does its its own little thing of where you think it's done and then it's not done, kind of a thing. So there's it's it's a pre M Night Shyamalan before there was M Night Shyamalan. So uh, it's fun. I enjoy it. Uh, I would totally recommend it for anybody that's a fan of, of Hanks or any of these actors and actresses. If you're a fan of, you know, dark comedies. When, when I say dark comedies, you got to keep in mind it's 1989 dark comedies. So it's still kind of more family friendly than not. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, I would I would agree with that. So there you go. 1989's The Burbs. Uh, I think we both agree this would definitely go on our DVD shelf here at the Silence Your Phones studios. Agreed. So... I'm interested to see what you're picking. What would you decide on? What was the final decision for next week's uh, film? Well, in the interest of the resurgence of drive-ins due to this whole coronavirus thing, um, you know, the whole pandemic where people have to be distanced, et cetera, et cetera, uh, there is a resurgence in drive-through movie theaters. And what did they do at drive-throughs? Well, they had a double feature. Still do. So yeah. next. So next week we're going to do we're going to have a discussion on a double feature, uh, very closely related. Um, we're going to talk about the 1987 RoboCop starring Peter Weller as the titular character, and the 2014 RoboCop with Joel Kinnaman as the titular character. Give me a grid. Got it? There. Target. Set. Target. Set. Now follow. Set. Boy stress analyzer. Stop. One, two, uh, three. Uh, Check. Record. Uh, 
Now play back. Bring it up 50%. Uh, full frame. Now play back. Bring it up 50%. Frame. Give me a full frame. You got it. All right, clear out. What are your prime directives? Serve the public trust, protect the innocent, uphold the law. Um, I think this might be a nice little uh, change of pace periodically, and maybe, Chris, maybe we do some uh, remakes, reboots, if you will, in that'll the future. Be, yeah, like, that'll be um, cool. Uh, I, I mistakenly, we were talking about this beforehand. Um, I was under the, I was thinking it was Carl Urban, but it's Joel Kinnaman, who was the star of the Netflix season one, um, Altered Carbon. And guess who wrote that, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Chris? Who's that? Uh, I do believe that that was based on Philip K. Dick. Yes, sir. Oh, nice. I, I, th- I think that's possible. Uh, no, definitely not. <laughs> Richard K. Morgan. Hey, there's he a, K. a K in his name. Hey, you know it was a K. So uh, you got it. You got it. You're good. Um, I, yeah. I'm interested to see this dude because the last time I saw original RoboCop, what year to come out? Eighty seven. Yeah. So I was, and, and it shows maybe 1992 <laughs> is when I saw it, 93, something like that. And that's oh. the last time I saw it. I've only seen it once. Never, like, it wasn't something I've seen more than once. The original Robocop, I've only seen once. So this is going to be interesting. And I've never seen the remake. So uh, uh, next week's going to be fun, dude. I'm looking forward to that double feature. So I'll tell you in the, in the remake, Michael Keaton plays the bad guy. Oh, nice. And in the original. Kurtwood Smith plays one of the low-level lieutenants. Oh, come on. This is going to be co- good. This is going to be fun, dude. It's going to be... You know what? We we should just watch it and talk shit about it while we do it. That would be fun, dude. We got to figure out how to get that that done right. Yeah, yeah. That's And then we got to coordinate the watching time but the, the when we're going to yeah. do it. But, but, dude, I'm looking forward to doing a double feature. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And, it, and, and if we pull it off and we do it well, I think doing it again, you know, as, as a, a recurring theme would be, be a good time. Because you're right, dude. Um, the, uh, the, the drive-ins are, are big now. Uh, just uh, mm-hmm. over here last week or the week before, they were doing um, Jurassic Park and then Titanic right after it. Ooh. Um, if I could make a suggestion for down the road and I want to say this publicly because I think it's a good one to do <laughs> is because partly because the first one sucked and the second one didn't get enough attention um, is Drudge Dread with Stallone and then Dread with Carl Urban. That's the one I was thinking of earlier. Um, not only because it's so good and you have no idea who the actors are in the second one until you see the character, like you, you watch the movie, you're like who's that? And then you look at the, the IMDb and you're like, that was that person. Nice. Cause the makeup and the effects are, I mean, it's 2014. So, but at the same time, the boys season two comes out at the end of July. There you go. And if you've not watched season one, watch the first five minutes and you will be hooked. Fun fact. I've seen the, the sec I've seen dread. I've never seen the Stallone judge dread. So that would be fun too. Oh, it's good times. Stallone at his Stalloniest. Awesome, awesome. All right, viewers, thanks so much for listening and uh, checking this out. If you have never seen Burbs uh, before, go check it out. We hope we didn't ruin too much of it. I don't think we gave away too much of the mm. of the storyline, so we should be good there. Not too many spoilers. Go enjoy it. Uh, if not, whatever, dude. Uh, go check well, out. And, and go ahead. And to add on to that, Chris, too, if you're watching any of these movies, you should watch them before you listen to us. Yes. If you know, if you are listening to us, then I 
should also say you probably shouldn't be listening to us because we're a bunch of idiots. Don't actually, no, that's, I'm sorry. That's a different podcast. You can cut that out, leave it in. Um, uh, um, we are not your movie authority. We are just your curator of movies, but put everything down when you watch these movies, because we watch it that way as well. And obviously that's the way the movies are intended to be watched, but it makes more sense when you're not distracted. True. 100%. I definitely, I don't pick up my phone when I'm watching the film because I want to be able to talk about it and talk, you know, uh, honestly from, from, from experiencing it. So that's a, that's a good suggestion when you go do watch this, when we, so check out RoboCop, uh, both versions, uh, and then be ready to listen to them next week. Other than that, uh, Sean Fritz, continue to stay safe, man. And I'm Chris Chavez. We will see you guys next week. And it is now time to unsilence your phones. Thank you.